Today's episode of Treks in Sci-Fi is sponsored in part by the new iPhone app Circle Challenge. Go check it out over at circlechallenge.com. And also sponsored by fans and listeners of the podcast. To today's podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, and this is podcast number 211 for January the 25th, 2009. Hope everyone's doing well. That little music you hear in the background there is another piece by Marcus Klein and his group, The Klein Project. This is their sort of rock beat and uh, take on the original Trek music theme. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be looking at a uh, classic episode of uh, original series Star Trek. It is uh, the episode Spectre of the Gun. This is an early third season episode, and I think it's a really interesting one to look at, especially since last week we uh, did that whole thing on Western science fiction. So that'll be coming up in the, today's show, and I think I'm going to do a full audio commentary on that. I haven't done one of those for an original series episode in a while so i just felt like playing the whole thing and commenting as we go so that'll be coming up of course we'll have a lot of news and other things about the star trek movie uh science fiction uh information and news about things on tv and and what's going on at the box office and all that kind of good stuff so uh just hang in there we'll be right back in a moment you're listening to treks in sci-fi with rico dostin the weekly podcast bringing you geeky information and sci-fi entertainment news. Okay, let's get into uh, today's show. Uh, first, uh, some news and information, a few things about the, the podcast and some updates on the uh, schedule here for the next couple of weeks. I did a slight change uh, for those watching uh, what I post on the forums or on the main website. Next weekend's show, I'll just tell you now, is going to be a special guest cast show with Kenny and some other members of the forums over at treksandsci-fi.com, meds, and they all talk about Doctor Who. So I'm going to take the week off next week, and those guys are going to tell you all about the good doctor and his uh, many, many years of excellent TV. So uh, I look forward to uh, hearing that, and I think it's going to be great. I know it's going to be great. Uh, and then what I'm doing is swapping that. That will be next week, and the week after we're going to do uh, a movie, a look at uh, Star Trek Insurrection. So I wanted to get that out of the way and let you know all about that. Uh, and I am looking for a guest cast uh, or a guest host for a guest cast for sometime in early March. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email or PM me if you're on the forum, uh, email treksf at gmail.com. 
And one last bit of uh, information news. You still have till the end of today, although if you're listening to this podcast a couple of days from now, it won't help much. But the end of the recasting uh, contest for The Next Generation is ending today. What I'm going to do is take the entries, uh, put them up on the forum, probably tomorrow on Monday, and we will do a period of voting. I think I'm going to let the voting go for two weeks. Probably won't really need that much time, but I will be announcing the a winner uh, in two weeks since next week's show is going to be a guest cast. Uh, in two weeks, I'll announce the winner of... Uh, the uh, DVD set, the audio DVD sets for the 0 through 200 for the recasting of TNG. Got some cool entries, and I, I think everyone's going to be uh, pretty uh, excited about what uh, people came up with. Hey, it's time for news about the new Star Trek movie. Take it away, Rico. Right. One of the uh, the big stories this week out, and some photos also, which uh, most of this uh, first appeared, I believe, in, on in the newspaper USA Today. They revealed a look at the Star Trek uh, Playmates uh, toys that will be coming out to probably in a couple of months. I don't think they're going to come out that much before the movie. I think we're shooting, or they're shooting for like about April, from what I can find out. But this is the kind of things that they've uh, they've released or they're showing so far. There looks like there are a few, of course, action figure sets, some 12-inch ones, and then some smaller 6-inch ones. 12-inch figures looks like with about five of the main characters. Also, the 6-inch uh, line, which is going to include 10 characters. There's a bridge play set, which looks pretty neat uh, if you like the new bridge, uh, which, uh, well, we'll have to see it in action anyway. Uh, there's also going to be a transporter room play set. Uh, of course, a, uh, a vehicle, uh, the Enterprise, the new Enterprise uh, of, uh, you know, kind of a model in the, the same kind of size line. They've done other uh, models of the other ships from Trek in the past. And, of course, we'll have to have the landing party gear, communicator, phaser, and tricorder in, in their new uh, looks and incarnations for uh, the new movie. So lots of neat things. Uh, you know, a lot of people, again, this is all, of course, based on what the, the movie's going to look like. And, you know, some people are good with the look, some people aren't, and everyone, you know, everywhere in between. But it, it's kind of fun to see this. I have a feeling that we're seeing some of this stuff fairly early for a couple of reasons. One, of course, the movie was going to be out in December originally. And I think a lot of these toys have been worked on for a while, and we're prepping more for that. So I don't think they're... Uh, well, they're going to be ready sooner than than usual, at least. But I don't. I think they are holding off on the release. They don't want them out months before the movie. That's just bad timing and bad marketing. That's happened with other things in the past, and that never works out very well. So, a couple of weeks before the movie might be okay, but if you do it much before that, uh, it, it can be a problem. So, uh, even if they are done, I know they're going to hold off uh, releasing them. Entertainment Earth is selling all these things, so that's one place to check out. And if you do that, there's an affiliate link. I, I'd appreciate if you'd use that on the main Treks in Sci-Fi webpage if you're interested in any of these items at all. So uh, some cool stuff, some cool toys. Not a whole lot more going on with the movie right now. I have a feeling that's going to kind of, we're going to have a little bit of a slowdown here maybe for about a month or so. Little things like this will pop up, maybe a few pictures in that. I'm, I'm still expecting we'll see another trailer at some point, and they are doing that Super Bowl commercial, so maybe we'll get a little something new, and that's going to be, well, gosh, that's only in one week from today. So maybe we'll get a, a couple new little scenes in that. Uh, but uh, for, as far as the movie goes, not a whole lot happening there. 
I did want to mention it's been reported, although I don't think it's completely official yet, uh, but it's you know 99% that way, that it looks like uh, we're getting uh, Trek on Blu-ray finally. Yes, we're going to get the, uh, I think it's going to be the first six so far Star Trek films in a box set. I, I'm not sure if they're going to end up selling those individually or not. Probably, I would think, but uh, hey, who wants to do that? Just buy the whole box set. It's usually a better deal anyway. And they are also going to release the first season uh, of uh, the original series on Blu-ray. Probably, again, these will be coming out right around the time of the movie in in early May. And for those who aren't on the Blu-ray bandwagon yet, it's been reported pretty widely that the PlayStation 3, which uh, supports both playing the PlayStation 3 games, and it's a Blu-ray drive in there, so you can play Blu-ray movies on it, that's supposed to get a price drop. Currently, the base model, the standard model of that is $399, at least in the United States, and it's supposed to drop about $100 to $299 right around April or so. So if you don't have one yet, you might want to hold off. Uh, I'm, uh, that's what I'm doing, at least. Probably going to buy uh, that if it drops in price in April to be ready to uh, start watching some Star Trek on Blu-ray come May. So uh, so that's about it, I think, for Star Trek for this week. Let's talk a little bit about other sci-fi. How about the news in the world of sci-fi? Stay tuned. Well, TV seems to be uh, pretty much full in gear now for like the second half of this 2008-2009 television series. We, of course, got Battlestar Galactica back on, the second episode of its last set of episodes. Uh, it gets confusing sometimes. Uh, that aired Friday night. Uh, I know there's people out there who haven't seen this yet, so I won't say too much. I found it, uh, the only thing I'll say is that I found it kind of one of those transition episodes. Not a huge amount happened, but I think it set up a lot of things to happen in the future. So in the next, uh, you know, the next eight episodes or whatever it is. Uh, but uh, it was a good episode, solid episode, good acting. Again, I, I think uh, again, I'll just say these these. The people on this show are, are just dynamite. They they really just pull out everything that they can and and shows you know they they show their all in these performances and I, I just love watching the show. So it's going to be very sad when it goes away. But hopefully Caprica when that comes out will be just as good. Also another episode of Smallville which I'm just really digging it and enjoying it this year. I was worried when they changed the cast around quite a bit. Uh, at the end of uh, last season but this season eight man this show still goes and it's still got legs and it still uh, is a lot of fun to watch it's not the you know they're not the traditional superman and superboy that's been uh, known over the years in the comics it's sort of a little different take uh, on that just like the new uh, i think star trek movie is going to be a little bit of a different take on the original cast and characters that we all know but it's still a good one and uh, very well done i think these guys are even more polished and better these days as actors than they were at the very beginning. So uh, and I enjoy that. I'm still enjoying Fringe as well. Uh, just lots of great stuff to watch. And the other thing I wanted to really uh, mention offhand is Lost. Uh, I won't again say much. The episode, uh, uh, the first episode back, the two-hour sort of premiere of, I guess this is season five, right? Uh, this season and then one more season to go. This uh, episode, the two-hour one they aired on Wednesday in the States here, uh, was I, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I just was glued to my big screen TV for the whole time and it, it loved watching it. Uh, the characters still continue to be really interesting. 
and the storyline is getting kind of out there, I think. So, uh, but I'm liking it a lot. Uh, there was a period of time where I was about ready to just say, "Nope, lost your your season pass on my TiVo is being canceled and revoked." But I, I'm not like that anymore at all. It, it's it's definitely redeemed itself for me. I think it, it happened around the time where they really, you know, they said we're get we this is what we're going to do. This is our plan. We've got this many episodes and seasons left, and they started to sort of really pull things together. Uh, around the mid of middle or so, I guess that was maybe of last season, something like that. But I'm just loving it. I think it's a great show, and it's definitely worth watching if you're into the, uh, you know, strange and bizarre. <laughs> anyway, I think that's about it for the worlds of sci-fi for this week. Once you've finished listening to the excellent Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, why don't you pop over to our podcast? We're called Waffle On. And every few weeks, we'll be discussing a classic television show broadcast on British TV between 1960 and 1990. And we'll be talking about British-made, US-made and Australian-made shows. So come waffle on with us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com or simply head to iTunes and type in Waffle On. We'd be honoured if you'd join us. Yes, that's, of course, Meds there from the Trex and Sci-Fi Forums, one of our regular RPG contributors and readers. You all recognize his voice, and they have started up a podcast. You guys all need to check it out. Just go over to iTunes. That's probably the easiest way. And like uh, Med said, type in Waffle On and listen to their excellent uh, podcast about uh, some older British shows mainly so far. Uh, you know, things like the Thunderbirds, the Prisoner, Doctor Who, that kind of stuff. Uh, really neat thing, and I, I wish them all the best and all the luck. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Here's this week's Star Trek episode on Treks in Sci-Fi. Mark 8 and closing. Okay, here we go with the episode Special Gun from Season 3 of TOS. There's a crew, stand by. Fringe 45,000 kilometers, Captain. Fascinating. Range 43,000 kilometers and closing. Sensor readings. Uh, there we go. We've got my volume up a little bit better. So anyway, here is Spectre of the Gun as we go through the episode. Analysis, This was actually the first episode of season three that was filmed. Thirty-eight thousand and closing. Thirty-five thousand and closing. Unclear whether it intends to attack or merely communicate with us. Thank you, science officer. things you'll notice in this episode uh, being the first of season three is everyone has a slightly different uh, uniform look in this one. They're not using the fuzzy velour uh, type of look from seasons one and two. It's more of a shinier fabric in this one. Staying with us. Indeed. Full stop, Mr. Check. I'll hold your position. Aye, sir. 
warning buoy that they discover uh, that stops them here is sort of hourglass-shaped. kind of reminds uh, me a little bit of uh, the hourglass like in The Wizard of Oz, a, a very, you know, common symbol that's used in movies and TV in a way. You have encroached on the space of the Melkar. That's actually Jimmy Doo and Scotty doing the voice there. This is the only warning you will receive. Morgan, Captain. English. It was Russian, sir. Every word. No, Captain. It was Swahili. Interesting. Telepathy. Unquestionably. Most impressive. Our orders are very clear. We're to establish contact with the Malkotians at all costs. True telepaths can be most formidable, Captain. And we I like that little idea there that the uh, that they weren't just speaking plain old good old English. It was supposed to be the idea space, everyone was hearing uh, the words in their own mind in their own language. Uh, I thought that was a real neat trick and uh, a nice little touch that they put in the okay. episode. Hailing frequencies. Tied in, sir. This is Captain James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise, representing the United Federation of Planets. We have contacted your buoy and understand its message. We hope that you will understand that our intent is to establish peaceful relations with you. Lieutenant, answer? Nothing, sir. Clear on all frequencies. It's a pretty common situation. I don't know what it is, but the Enterprise... Still no response, sir. Not in just the original series, but in uh, many other ones. You know, they always run into these little things like, you know, we don't really want you here. And, of course, what do they do? We'll ignore that. Mr. Chekhov, deflectors are full intensity. Increase speed to achieve planet fall as scheduled. Aye, sir. Standard orbit in five minutes. Now, if you watch this episode in the new advanced version with new effects, they have changed the look Lieutenant of the Uhura, buoy there a little bit. Dr. McCoy, uh, Engineer Scott, to meet me in the it's uh, room. pretty Spock, much similar, Mr. but they, they enhanced it a bit. Let's go find out what it is they're afraid of. Captain's log, stardate 4385.3. We have transported down to the Malkotian planet and have encountered conditions which are completely contrary to what we were prepared for. What is this? Unknown, Captain. Sensor readings gave no indication of fog-like conditions in this area. The little Melcott creature here happen, uh, is interesting. Fine time for the he is, uh, or the creature was Impossible designed by a guy named Mike Miner, who would go on to uh, work on the Star Trek feature films, which they're about to see. Mr. Scott's transporter, this unit is not functioning. And let's get out of here. Kirk Enterprise. Kirk to Enterprise, come in. No use, Captain. Obviously, none of our devices will function. Well, that's a little problem. Apparently, that Malkotian buoy... Aliens! Kind of a floating head with a couple of glowing eyes here for the Melcott. Okay, let's give you a little bit of the basic background of this episode. Again, it uh, 
It was written by uh, one of the producers, actually, of the show, Gene Kuhn. Uh, he used a, a pseudonym for the credit in this episode, Enterprise. Lee Cronin, because they, uh, you know, well, they changed some of the things of his story, and I'll tell you about that as we go. It was directed by Vincent McKeevity, M-C-E-V-E-E-T-Y. So, and I know he did a few uh, original series episodes. This, again, was sort of an homage to the old westerns uh, and Star Trek, uh, the original series, take on that. Uh, very much uh, like, uh, you know, uh, plays out like an old west uh, movie or TV show. The, the cool thing about that is, is, is DeForest Kelly did so many westerns uh, when he was acting in his early days. He, he fits really well into this sort of situation and it was also a way for them to sort of save a little bit on budget because season three their budget and everything was very much cut and they didn't have a lot to work with so doing something in an old west setting they could use a uh, you know an existing sound stage with some old west uh, sets was a was an easy thing for them to do you captain kirk the disobedience was on your orders yours is a responsibility Yours shall be the pattern of your death. We come in peace. But we'll defend ourselves if necessary. Now, I don't know why Kirk pulls his phaser out. They already know it. They you don't are disease. The no, disease they drink of the day must today. be destroyed. Green tea from Lipton your with plea citrus. has been heard. And central antioxidants. It is done. All right, so if you didn't catch that, they said they were going to use Kirk's thoughts, his his memories in mind to create sort of the the avenue where they were going to deal with the, the landing party here. So now they've appeared into an Old West town, and where they've got six now, guns on and all that. The neat thing here, since this is sort of a mind's eye view for them, is that the sets are sort of incomplete. They're kind of uh, a typical uh, movie stage, Obviously, this which works very well because they pulled all this out of, of his American mind. frontier town, circa 1880. It's just bits and pieces. It's incomplete. Perhaps the Malkotians have insufficient data about this era. Or perhaps this is all they require to complete the pattern of our death. And these, Captain? Beautiful specimen. Crude. But dangerous. Whatever the Malkotians have planned for us, it won't be pleasant. This could be useful. Just remember one thing. To individuals at close range, this could be as deadly as phases. In the midst of what seems so unreal, the harsh reality, this is not a dream. Yeah, so again, we've got Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Chekhov, and Scotty here. The original story, though, online, did not include Chekhov. It had uh, sort of a red shirt in his place who ends up dying in the episode. So uh, they did switch that out. And I think it's uh, a great... Uh, a lot of the changes they made are, are, are good ideas. Chekhov was sort of underutilized a lot of the time. And it was fun to see him in the group here with this episode, especially some of the scenes what he coming up later time on. And place for our punishment. Because my ancestors pioneered the American frontier. Yes. The violence of your own heritage is to be the pattern for our execution. 
What's the matter with us? We're sort of reminds me really of like the episode with Trelane, where Trelane was using precisely. some things from in terms of what the, the past that he knew of Earth to about uh, that date, create October the place he lived in. October 26th, 1881. But what was it? Ike! Ike! Frank! Billy! Tom! Mike, I was afraid you weren't going to make it. Looks like we did. Well, I knew you wouldn't now let the, uh, sheriff you shows up. There are a bunch of hot air, if you ask me. Are they really? And now they're going to have to fight after the way they shot off their mouths. You know us? <laughs> funny. <laughs> That's what I like about you, Ike. You always see the funny side. I'm a barrel of laughs. <laughs> well, nobody can say Johnny B and doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> Johnny... He called me Ike, you Frank, Bones Tom, and Ellie. Ike Clanton, Tom and Frank McClary, Billy Claiborne, Billy Clanton. Captain, I pride myself on my knowledge of your Earth history. The names were known in the annals of the opening of the Western Sector of America. The United States of America, that is. In the late 19th century in Arizona, Two factions fought for control of the town of Tombstone. Ah, good the movie, Herbs, too, by Morgan, the way. Morgan, Virgil, and Wyatt, who were the town marshals, along with Doc Holliday. And the Clanton gang. On October 26th, they had it out. Who won? The Clantons lost, Mr. Checker. And we are the Clantons. We are the Clantons. And if this is a replay of history... History cannot be changed. Oh, really? Yeah, that character actor that was the sheriff guy there before, a guy named Bill Zucker. Now somebody just got gunned down in front of the saloon. One of the Earps. impossible. Things like this can't happen. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Very dead, Mr. Spock. That's one thing we can be sure of here. Death is real. Hi, Frank. How are you, boys? I didn't think I'd see you again. Billy! Oh, Billy! Baby, I knew they couldn't keep you out of town. Oh, you knew that. Come on. Now this uh, blonde uh, saloon girl just came up and gave Chekhov a big kiss. That's Bonnie Beecher as uh, Sylvia. Maybe you shouldn't have. And this up an opportunity to see you. Don't be silly. It's taking crazy chances with Morgan Earp right in the same room. Chekhov gets the girl. Good for him. Yes, of course. The man who kills on sight. Morgan This is, uh, uh, this guy's name is Rex Holman playing Morgan Earp. Got a good mustache, definitely looks the part. Since we have seen that death is the one reality in this situation, 
I seriously suggest you reseat yourself immediately without moving a muscle of either hand. If I remember correctly, that would involve you in what was called the fast draw. It initiated unfortunate events. <laughs> Spock is just so good at that. Uh... You boys want your usual? Absolutely, a half a gallon of scotch. You know we ain't got nothing but bourbon, unless you want corn whiskey. I wish it was all over. <laughs> I guess Alan Virgil Scott. out patrolling this morning. Oh, Scotty. Good old Virgil, we can always count on him. They've been blowing off all over town how they chased the Clantons out. I guess you'll show them now, won't you? I don't think we're going to have any choice. You'll dirty yourself with this scum. Come on. Get your hand off her. No, Clayton. No, no, no. All right, all right, all right. Now, we don't want any trouble. If you don't want any trouble, what are you doing in my town? Just leave us alone, Mr. Earp. That's all we ask. Five of you. You'd like me to draw, wouldn't you? All right. I will. Soon enough. The Earps and... Uh, Soon enough. They have this sort of robotic tone in this episode. I think that was kind of intentional. I think some of that has to do with, you know, the Melcots pulling this out of Kirk's mind. They, they're, they're real... Well, they're supposed to be kind of cold-blooded killers, I, I guess, anyway. He was actually trying to provoke a dispute with Mr. Chekhov. Close, Ike. Lucky there wasn't two of them. I guess so. Sylvia's right. They've been bad-mouthing something fierce all over town. You boys watch it. I assure you, sir, we shall watch it. And everything. Extremely closely. <laughs> oh, Spock. Now Sylvia comes over and Chekhov and her are kind of making out here in front of all the rest. I think Kirk's a little um, jealous. Mr. Chekhov. What can I do, Captain? You know we're always supposed to maintain good relations with the natives. <laughs> oh, Chekhov. Young lady. Young lady. Yes, Ike. I'd like to talk to Mr. to Billy alone. If you don't mind. All right. I understand. Billy Claiborne, you be careful. Mr. Chekhov, you be careful. Mr. Spark, except for our handguns, we haven't changed, not even our clothing yet. These people see and hear us as the Clantons. I don't think that's such a bad thing, Captain. The day is still young, Ensign. All right, what do we got? <laughs> We're here in uh, Tombstone, He's got this Arizona, goofiest October expression. Chekhov is so 81. smitten so fast. The day of the gunfight at O.K. Corral. And we're the Clantons. And Morgan Earp has just come off to tell us brothers that we're here. And if this is indeed some sort of a replay of history, the Earps will kill the Clantons at the O.K. Corral at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Well, we're not going to be at the OK Corral at 5 o'clock this afternoon. You, bartender, Ed. You, uh, you claim you know us. I ain't making no big claims about you. This is uh, an actor named Just Charles Seal. I remember him a from a lot of old movies and TV. Yeah? Who do you think I am? Ike Clanton? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Well, I know this is 
hard to understand, but I'm Captain James T. Kirk of the Spaceship Enterprise. These men are part of my crew. We're not really here, we're from the future. <laughs> we haven't been born yet. <laughs> feel the material in my shirt. Now feel the material in your own shirt. Do you notice any difference? No. Do these clothes look like yours? Mm, not exactly. Have you ever seen clothes like this before? Sure. Where? On the Clantons. <laughs> <laughs> you Clantons are always great with your jokes. That's why we like you. I'm not joking. <laughs> Only difference between you and the Earps is that they never joke. joke. I'm not joking. I'm not Ike Clanton. <laughs> it's okay with me, Ike. Anything you say don't make no difference who I think you are. Your problem is, who does Wyatt Earp think you are? <laughs> Yeah, so again, obviously everyone here believes that they are the Clantons, and no matter what they say, I'm afraid there's been some sort of misunderstanding. Clanton, I don't know what you're trying to pull, but we warned you not to show your ugly face in town again. Yes, of course you did, and I wanted to talk to you about that. We're done talking, Clanton. There's been some sort of mistake, a misunderstanding. All right, Clanton, one more chance, your last. You've got until five tonight to get your horse-stealing scurvy crew out of town. All the way. Yes, we'd be glad to. We don't want to fight. I always said you was yellow, Clanton. I'll make one more attempt to get through to you, Mr. Herb. My name is not Clanton, it's Kirk. Oh, yeah. We heard the talk about your jokes. I'm not joking. Sure. Well, I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Kirk. <laughs> yeah, so Kirk grabs his arm, twists him around pretty quickly, easily. Draw, Clanton. Not me, Mr. Herb. You draw or I will. No, Wyatt. Let me. When the time comes, I'll pay him for this. The guy uh, playing Wyatt Earp here is uh, Ron Sobel. He's pretty familiar, to too, to me. We'd we'll be glad to cooperate. Five o'clock, Clanton. Is that clear? If you're in town at 5.01... Virgil is... Uh, the other one is uh, Charles Maxwell. That's the actor playing Virgil. Is that clear? Call that stuff fire. Taos lightning, straight bourbon. Try some in small amounts that was considered medicinal. Uh, label it for external use only. Well, it just takes a bit of getting used to, Captain. Actually, a man could grow quite fond of this stuff. Take it easy, Mr. Scott. I hate to think what that stuff's doing to your stomach lining. And your reflexes. We're going to need fast reflexes from now on. There's no negotiating with the herbs. We know that. Aye. Oh, if we only had a phaser. Or a communicator. It'd be a pleasure to watch those herbs as we beam back to the ship at exactly 4.59.30. Could we make it communicate? Impossible, Captain. In this century, there are no metal alloys or power sources to make devices such as ours. The problem is clear, Spock. We're going to have to seek contemporary solutions. Where's Chekhov? 
Mr. Chekhov is involved, Captain. You shouldn't have come back to town, Billy. Morgan will kill you because he wants me. With his outdated weapon. If he shoots at me, I will just step out of the way. You can joke about it. I've seen him in action, especially Morgan. A lot of people and things have tried to kill me. You'd be surprised. Mr. Chekhov, I mean, Billy, come along. Yes, sir. Billy, please don't even go near him. Shut up. They noticed that uh, in this uh, Billy Chekhov has actually two guns on. Uh, exercise uh, part of valor. I guess that was something that Billy Claiborne uh, was known for. I perhaps I'm not an expert on this uh, this little thing. Oh, they're trying to leave town at this part in the scene, and basically they run into like a force field. So they can't negotiate. They can't leave town. They're pretty much being forced into this fight. Well, that settles that. Force field. Three o'clock. It is obvious the Melkotians are not going to permit us to leave this town. If we could only contact the Enterprise. Yes, but where is the Enterprise? Mr. Chekhov, if you were in charge of the Enterprise, what would you be doing? I'd be using the ship's sensors trying to locate us. Very good. If we could find the place where we beam down, the ship might lock in and beam us up. Well, let's get there. There's no way we can know where it is, Doctor. It'd be anywhere within a thousand mile radius. Mr. Spock, why don't you join us, common humanoids, in trying to find a way out of here and quit explaining why we can't get out of here? <laughs> have until five o'clock uh. to find that way. Now consider this. What materials were on hand in 1881 could help us fight the Earps on their own terms? We have these, Captain. No, the Millicots gave us those to execute us. We have to find a way to put the Earps out of action. Is there anything that exists here and now that could help us out of this trap. All those Western Cossacks had were poisonous snakes and cactus plants. Western oh. Cossacks. The venom. The plants. Can you make use of them? A tranquilizer. Of course, Jim, I can make a tranquilizer. I could make a device to deliver it on target. First, bones. The ingredients you require. I know the place to get the proper drugs. I need a mortar and a pestle. Check out mortar and pestle. How do you intend to deliver the tranquilizer on target? I shall need some fusing and some cotton wadding. Cotton wadding for the apothecary. Aye. I shall manufacture the equivalent of an ancient generating canister, more familiarly known as a gas grenade. Very much like the episode Arena from the original series, where you know Kirk was put, uh, you know, to fight the Gorn on that planet, and he had to come up yet. with. You know, a way in those environments to, to, you know, well, make you. something to defeat Mind him. If I look Help around him. a bit? Basically, brains versus muscle and brains versus brawn kind of an idea. Very MacGyver like, even for back in the Trek days. Crude, but very usable. I wouldn't touch that stuff if I was you. And McCoy went over to the to local, like, barber slash dentist. I have an urgent need for a small supply of this drug, too. That stuff ain't mine. It belongs to him. You'd better ask him. And we have Dr. McCoy about to meet oh, so uh, you're the Doc dentist. Holliday. Well, I'm a physician. And I have a serious emergency. I wonder if you mind if I borrow a small quantity of this. You want it now? 
My name is McCoy. I'm a doctor. That joke is all around town already, McClowry. Well, my name is still Holiday. Doc Holiday. This is uh, a guy named Sam Gilman playing Doc Holiday here. The emergency is real. I need these things. Your emergency sure is real. I love this next little line. <laughs> Go on, take the stuff. Have some more fun. <laughs> take my bag. Only best you be finished before five o'clock. That is my intention, Doctor. Because at one minute past five, you'll find a hole in your head right from this gun. Yeah, with the red sky in this... Uh... In this episode, it makes the whole thing kind of very surreal. I really like the uh, the way they did the looks here and, and how they put this all together, especially given the fact they were fairly limited on budget at this time again. Now we've got Sylvia here uh, walking through town a little bit. Yeah, of course. Sylvia! Running into Mr. Chekhov Hello. or Billy. Billy Claiborne, do you know how crazy I am about you? This is it's one of my favorite scenes in the episode, nice. this next minute or couple minutes. Well, aren't you going to ask me what I've got in my shopping bag? That's just what I was preparing to inquire. Have you been shopping? Of course, silly. What else would I be doing on a beautiful afternoon? With the dance only one week away? Or have you forgotten that already? No, no, I haven't forgotten. I am looking forward to it. Most eagerly. You will be absolutely wild when you see me in the new gown I'm going to make. I found this most scrumptious material. Yards and yards of it. You know what I was thinking, Billy? I was thinking what a beautiful wedding gown it would make. Why don't we just turn that dance into a wedding ball? It would be so heavenly. Married? I'm afraid that wouldn't be possible. But I'm positive the gown will be ready. And what else is there to stop a wedding? But it is absolutely impossible. I am not someone you can marry. If only I could make clear to you what I really am. Do you think I don't know? Billy Claiborne, you are a cattle rustler and a horse thief. And I don't care what else. I warned you, Clayman, stay away. Ah, uh, now Morgan Herb shows up and spoils the party. You don't have to take anything from that scum, not while I'm here. Checkup isn't happy. Mr. Herb! 
Get your hands off her. Chekhov and him are kind of faced off across the street from each other a little bit. And Chekhov is just walking over. And Erp just shot him. He didn't even draw or anything, he just gunned him down. of course and now the herbs are there and the rest of uh, the Clantons come on Clanton let's do it now captain let me no yeah come on captain let him captain we can't just stand here and take it yes we can but they murdered Chekhov if you think Johnny. I'm going to they're trying to push us into something we're not ready for and it is not yet our time. Let her go, Jim. He's dead. Maybe he wouldn't be if I hadn't ignored the mail cut warning. We all knew the risk when we joined the service. I let it go. Gentlemen, there is one thing which requires the immediate attention of all of us. Specifically, our future. But not this minute, Spock. It takes us a little longer. I understand the feeling, Captain. You talk about another man's feelings. What do you feel, Spock? My feelings are not subject for discussion, Doctor. Because there are no feelings to discuss. Mr. Spock, Chekhov is dead. I see it now, and I can hardly believe it. But you work closely with him. That deserves some memorial. Spock will have no truck with grief, Scotty. It's human. Bones, Scotty. Captain, it's quite all right. They forget I am half human. Yeah, good, uh, good character stuff here. You know, just really, I, I, the more I see this episode, you know, the many, many, many times I've seen it, I always pick up little things that I didn't see before. Time. Captain, I vaguely remember the historical account of the famous battle in which we are about to engage, but I am confused. About what? Since each of us represents members of the Clanton gang, you, Ike Clanton, I, Frank McClowry, then Mr. Chekhov would be the other Billy, would he not? William Claiborne, that's right. But did not William Claiborne survive the battle at the O.K. Corral? Ah, a loophole. Get to the point, Spock. Mr. Chekhov is dead, but in the actual gunfight, William Claiborne survived. Yes. Yes, that's right means it doesn't have to happen the way it happened. We can change it. 
Holmes, how's the tranquilizer coming? I'll have it ready before Spock. Spock? Another hour. And we'll have a tranquilizer grenade? Not precisely. Forget precision. Will it work? It should. Make sure it does, Spock. If we don't tranquilize them, we'll have to fight them. And if we fight them, we all die. We know that. Negotiating with them could buy us more time, Captain. But not with the herbs. I've tried that. That's out. There must be a way. History has been changed in the fact that Billy Claiborne didn't die, but Chekhov is lying there dead. That means there must be a way to change this time in history. It would be worth a try, at least until we're certain of the device. Then perhaps we could quiet things down. But not with the herbs. There is one other place I can try. somebody yeah kirk went looking for uh for the sheriff here to try to get some help yes sheriff i want you to stop the fight stop it who wants to stop it i sure don't you don't you didn't yesterday i do now since when is a clanton run crawling to the law for help how else is he going to get justice from this you and your boys set up this whole thing to take care of the erps it's a little late to decide you don't have the belly for it. It's not too late. Sheriff. Sheriff. There must be plenty of decent people in this town who don't like the herbs. Let's organize them. Don't talk nonsense. The people in this town are counting on you to get rid of the herb for them. Then the people better wake up and let the law work for them. You can talk that way after what the herbs did to Billy today. Nobody in this town will deny you your right to your revenge. This, uh, this yes, part's I a good revenge. part. I want revenge. I want to crush the life out of the herbs. I can't just kill them. If you listen to me, get down to the OK Corral. Keep out of sight. When the herbs come looking, you bushwhack them. Can I get through your stomach? Can I can't just kill them. It's the only I way. I can't just kill them. It's the only way. I can't them. I can't. Questions asked. Honest. I, I guarantee that. These crude supplies we were forced to use worked quite well. I doubt that this combination of things was ever used for any purpose quite like this. Perhaps they would have been if they'd had your ingenuity, Doctor. Yeah, this is kind of neat, this little thing. They build this little grenade out of a little old can and the um, supplies that McCoy got. Good. How long will it take the tranquilizer to have effect? Three or four seconds. How did you manage to test it? It has not been tested. It's not necessary, Captain. It's very simple. Nothing can go wrong. Up to now, everything has gone wrong. I want to test it now. Would a volunteer solve the problem? Would. All right. On one condition, that I'm wide awake and with you at five o'clock. Guaranteed. All right. It's to kill the pain. But this is painless. Well, you should have warned me sooner, Mr. Spock. Fire away. <laughs> 
Scotty just took a drink before uh, Spock's going to gas him here. And he's pretty much breathing all this white smoke in, and it doesn't seem to be doing anything to him. <laughs> well, that didn't quite work out. Should have worked. Did you inhale the gas, Scotty? Aye, deeply. You still feel all right? <laughs> Never felt better. No dizziness, no sweating, no palpitations. It doesn't work. Indeed, fascinating. It was our last chance. Captain, you don't seem to understand. It did not function, but it must function. Nothing could go wrong, Captain. It should work. A scientific fact. But if the tranquilizer does not function, which is clearly impossible, then a radical alteration of our thought patterns must be in order. We need a weapon. An answer. Yeah, Spock is on to things here. Now. He's like, things are not exactly as they seem in this place. Ten Physical minutes. laws, you just can't change like That's that. It's all going to end at the OK Corral. Well, we're going to wait right here until well after 5 o'clock. We're not going to move from this spot. But when they said that, they were in the saloon, but now they've gotten sort of transported quickly right over to the OK Corral. Staggering contradiction. The tranquilizer you created should have been effective. It would have been effective anywhere else. Exactly. Doctor, in your opinion, what killed Mr. Chekhov? A piece of lead in his body. Wrong. His mind killed him. Well, come on, Spock. If you've got the answer, tell us. Physical reality is consistent with universal laws, where the laws do not operate. There is no reality. All of this is unreal. What do you mean unreal? I examined Chekhov. He's dead. But you made your examination under conditions which we cannot trust. We judge reality by the response of our senses. Once we are convinced of the reality of a given situation, we abide by its rules. We judge the bullets to be solid, the guns to be real. Therefore, they can kill him. Chekhov is dead because he believed the bullets would kill him. He may indeed be dead. We do not know. But we do know that the Melkotians created the situation. If we do not allow ourselves to believe that the bullets are real, they cannot kill us. Exactly. 
I know the bullets are unreal. Therefore, they cannot harm me. We must all be as certain as you are, Mr. Spock, if we're to save our lives. <laughs> Precisely. That's not possible. There'll always be some doubt. The smallest doubt would be enough to kill you. We're just human beings, Spock. We don't have that clockwork ticker in our head like you do. We can't just turn it on and off. You must. Spock. A Vulcan mine melt. Very well, sir. Engineer. Yeah, so the, uh, you know, the, the idea here, again, is if you believe it's real, it, it is real. And if you don't, if you can convince yourself that this is all just a sort of a, an illusion or a fantasy that they've created in their minds in a way, it, it can't do them any harm. This is an idea and a concept that's been done in sci-fi a few times and in fantasy movies, TV, that... Um, I'm trying to think. There was one other good example, and I had it on the tip of my tongue earlier when I was watching this. But uh, but anyway, it's it's the idea. This is different, though, than the original script. Your mind to my mind. Your thoughts to my thoughts. Yeah, in the original script, in the original story, they actually do sort of have a fight. Uh, they just basically, you know, beat off the herbs. But they, uh, they still managed to get out of the whole situation. Not nearly as effective, I think, as what they came up with here. Where this is a lot more Federation, a lot more Starfleet-like, where they, they, they go the ultimate way in, in non-violence. They don't even not fight, they just don't believe they it. They are illusions. And just sort of almost ignore it. Shadows. Without substance. Like the way they did this too, where Spock's melding with each of them in a slightly different little way. First Scotty, now McCoy, and then Kirk. Exist. They do not exist. And they uh, edited this together with the, the herbs and Doc Holliday slowly all meeting up and coming over to fight them. Appearances only. They are shadows. Illusions. Nothing but ghosts of reality. They are lies. Falsehoods. Spectres without body. They are to be ignored. Also worked out where there's a four-on-four meetup here right now. Here, uh, Doc Holliday against the rest of them, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Scotty. They do this real well. They're all standing. The, uh, the Enterprise guys are standing against a sort of wooden railing uh, wall kind of thing. Does 
one of his patented jump kicks and knocks the guy down. Gets the, uh, the guy down on the ground. Gets Wyatt down. Pulls out his gun. Kirk does. Very much like the arena episode with the horn at this point. Kirk, of course, does not shoot him. Throws down his gun. And now they all vanish, the Earps do. And they're back on the Enterprise with Mr. Chekhov. Captain, I don't understand. Neither do I. He's in perfect health. What happened? Where have I been? Right here, it seems. But that girl, she was so beautiful. So real. Do you remember anything else? No. Good. Perhaps that explains why he's here. Nothing was real to him. Except the girl. Captain, the Malkotian object. Yeah, so Chekhov did basically thought he was invincible in a way himself, and uh, the bullet didn't hurt him. All he thought of was the girl. Energy output increasing beyond measurable levels, Captain. Laser guns, stand by to fire. Well, the buoy just kind of exploded and blew itself up. It's... it's gone, sir. That seems a little extreme, damage, but <laughs> I guess they didn't think they needed it anymore. Captain Kirk, you did not kill. Is this the way of your kind? It is. We fight only when there's no choice. We prefer the ways of peaceful contact. I speak for a vast alliance of fellow creatures who believe in the same thing. We have sought you out to join us. Our mission is still one of peace. Approach our planet and be welcome. The delegation will come out to meet you. Our warning threats are over. Excellent. Lieutenant, cancel red alert. Mr. Chekhov, resume original course, warp factor two. Warp factor two, sir. Captain, may I ask a question? You needn't answer if it seems too personal. I'm sure I'll be able to give you an answer, Mr. Spock. This afternoon, you wanted to kill, didn't you? But he didn't kill, Mr. Spock. But he wanted to, Doctor. Is that the way it seemed to you, Mr. Spock? Yes, Captain. Mr. Spock, you're absolutely right. That's exactly the way it was. Mankind, ready to kill. That's the way it was in 1881. I wonder how humanity managed to survive. We overcame our instinct for violence.
Well, there you go. There you have the uh, episode Spectre of the Gun. It's uh, the third season episode of the original Star Trek series. Hey, I'm going to get right into some listener comments, so uh, here's the first. Despite the shortcomings that this episode had to endure due to budget restraints and the fact that it was the third season and they knew that it was Star Trek's last, it really is a very good episode. And they did very, very well dealing with what little they had to work with. By Star Trek's third season, Gene Roddenberry had turned over much of the operations to another Gene, Gene L. Kuhn, who also wrote this episode under the pen name Lee Cronin. Roddenberry was having less and less influence on the show. The third season was only made possible by a letter-writing campaign by fans, so it was well known that Star Trek was going to be off the air after this season. From the beginning, Gene had to fight the studios for every little thing he wanted for the show, and every penny of budget. Nothing demonstrates this more than the scant set dressing for this episode, Spectre of the Gun, which was originally titled The Last Gunfight. As money was not available for a full set, the director was asked to use a stylized western street of false building fronts with no sides. The lack of money didn't stop them from creating a new musical score that was used only in this episode, and you know what? It's playing in the background right now. You'll note that the style of lettering on the sheriff's office in this episode uses the Star Trek font from the credits. This particular episode also deployed the much-used Your Devices Are Taken Away and You Can't Contact Your Ship plot that occurred on many third-season episodes. But it was still a very good episode, teaching a lesson of non-violence that we obviously still need to learn to this day. And this was the last Star Trek episode to air on NBC at 10 p.m. on Fridays. Great information there, Daryl. Thanks very much for sending that in. Yes, uh, there are a couple things there I wanted to mention, too. The uh, the thing about the order of this episode, this happened quite often in, in Trek, but like I said earlier when I was commenting on the episode, this episode was filmed first uh, for season three, but it was actually shown about, I think it was like six, that was shown like the by the end of like October in that season uh, when it was out in 1968. So a couple of other tidbits there. And uh, again, thanks a lot for that, Daryl. Daryl is the tip giver over at the Instance Podcast. So check him out and listen to his comments there as well. Got another comment here. This one's from uh, Jeff, who did our recent Earth 2 podcast. Hello, Rico. This is Jeff. Jedi Jeff on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums, and I'd like to comment on this week's podcast topic, Spectre of the Gun. Spectre of the Gun is probably one of my most favorite Star Trek episodes from all the series, so I was kind of happy to hear that you've decided to cover this in your podcast, as I'm looking forward to your comments on it. Just like you kind of indicated in last week's podcast, the Western Sci-Fi podcast, which I really enjoyed and learned a lot about the shows that you talked about, I've always kind of liked Westerns as well myself. Uh, when I was young, I kind of grew up, uh, you know, watching kind of reruns on TV of like shows like Bonanza and Gunsmoke and Have Gun Will Travel and also kind of pseudo 
Western shows like uh, Little House on the Prairie. <clears throat> yes, I, I did say that. I, I did watch that. Anyways, I, I've always kind of liked Westerns. And to kind of mix that with sci-fi, I thought it is kind of a cool element. And probably my my most favorite uh, example of that is this this episode that you're covering, Spectre of the Gun. I guess first off, kind of made me one of the reasons why I really like this episode is uh, I think every every young boy who's kind of grew up and, and kind of like Star Trek, you know, they've always kind of made me at times imagine they're Captain Kirk. And this is probably the episode gets my imagination going the most about kind of being like Kirk, I guess. You know, it was so just cool to see him kind of on screen, you know, with that six shooter instead of a phaser and, and you know, just him in that setting. Uh, I just, something with that just really just caught my imagination and like say it's just just really like way uh William Shatner and the Kirk character is kind of pro- portrayed in this episode I guess another thing that I kind of really liked about this episode too which maybe people might view as kind of um a negative but I kind of view it as kind of a positive is I kind of like the way they set up kind of tombstone in a sense they've kind of indicated from some things I've kind of read you know, over the over the time about this episode that the Malkotians, you know, they didn't have a lot of information to go on. They're just basically pulling fragments out of Kirk's memory on kind of building what Tombstone would look like. So that's why it kind of, uh, you know, it was just kind of basically the fronts of the buildings. Um, you know, there wasn't any really walls and, and, this, and, you know, the background, you know, they had that kind of red sky, which just gave it a really sci-fi look to it. Also, they kind of indicated too, I've kind of also read some other statements saying that maybe that was all that the Malkotians actually really needed to kind of fulfill the kind of the scene. They they didn't need to build like a, a real western looking town. So I kind of like the way they they brought that across because it in in a sense they just, you know, it made it sci-fi but it also made it western. So it didn't throw you out of being in a science fiction kind of show or a science fiction element, but they brought Western elements into it instead of maybe some of these other shows where it's you're in a Western kind of element to it or a, a Western theme, and then they just kind of bring in sci-fi elements. This one, I kind of view it's more sci-fi and, like, say, they brought in the Western elements, so I kind of really like the episode because of that. Also, too, you know, there were some other things I really liked that about the episode, like, kind of, like, at the end, you know, kind of the showdown with the Earps at the OK Corral and, and how they decide to kind of get around that with the mind melts was, was kind of an interesting um, point on that. Also, too, I kind of like the way the Earps and Doc Holliday were kind of portrayed. Not a lot of mo- emotion in those characters. Uh, kind of almost robotic-like, I guess, in a sense, kind of similar maybe to your topic last week with Westworld. I just really like the way, you know, again, you know, there wasn't a lot of emotion or or anything to those characters and it just kind of fit in with with the whole kind of setting that they made for this episode you know with the kind of the partial buildings and the and the science fiction type look to it anyways i, I probably talked too much about this here rico so anyways uh, again thanks for uh, covering the show and thanks for the podcast every week and bye for now Great stuff, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it, I agree with you completely, and I think I made a lot of the same uh, observations and comments you did about this episode. I'm, I'm so glad you you sent your thoughts in as well, and it, it just makes me uh, you know happy to share those uh, with everyone else. So we've got one more little comment uh, here to play. This one is from uh, Rick Moyer about the episode. Hey, Rico, it's Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Moyer777 on the forums. Wanted to um, quickly just send you a little um, 
comment on Spectre of the Gun. One of the reasons I really like this episode is because it aired on my third birthday. That's right. I was three years old when the first time that it ever aired. I thought it was kind of cool. Just the whole idea of having the crew of the Enterprise, or at least the three, four main guys, um, down on a planet doing gunfighting and stuff. And they didn't have their phasers. All they had was guns. And I just thought it was really, really cool just to see them in that. And it, it was kind of a surreal episode. I mean, the sets were kind of weird. And it just it was just really different for a Star Trek episode. But fun nonetheless. And that's why I like Star Trek. So there. I thought it was really interesting how Spock kind of had to tell everybody that, uh, you know, nothing's real here. It's all what you're thinking in your mind. It's kind of a classic Star Trek kind of thing. And they use it on The Next Generation and several others. But uh, it was cool nonetheless. So uh, let me see. How many stars would I give Spectre of the Gun? How about um, I'll give it three out of five stars. It was kind of weird, but I liked it. So there you go. Have a great week, everybody, and thanks, Rico, once again for doing Treks and Sci-Fi. What an awesome podcast. Keep up the incredible work. Thanks, Rick, for your comments. I think my voice is starting to die today. Uh, a lot of talking for an early Sunday morning. So I'm about ready to finish this off, I think. Uh, I wanted to also thank Rick. Uh, he sent in a lot of those new audio little bumpers I've been using on today's podcast. So thanks uh, for that. Uh, I just shot him a message yesterday and boom, in my uh, email last night, he sent him on over. So uh, hey, that's uh, just fantastic. I can't say enough about that and how much uh, I enjoy using those. I got a few I didn't get a chance to slide into this week's show and I'm also not going to be able to do a collectible. It's uh, running long. I still got to do a whole collectible show and get kind of caught up on some things and just kind of geek out on on toys and collectibles maybe uh maybe next month when i uh, outline the next uh, you know four or five weeks of podcasts we'll slide that in but we will see anyway uh that's it i'm gonna get out of here uh, everyone i gotta go eat a little lunch maybe a little soup or a little tuna fish or i don't know finish my green tea and uh tuna sounds good i think for today you guys are all really interested in what rico's gonna have for lunch aren't you <laughs> anyway next week i think i've already outlined next week you're gonna have that great special doctor who podcast with kenny and company and uh, then i will be back in two weeks with the winner of the tng contest and a whole lot more we'll look at the movie star trek insurrection until then everyone take care oh i want to say one last thing a big happy birthday to my son who this week on January 28th, my oldest son, Stephen, Stephen Tyler Dosty, is going to turn 21 years old on uh, Wednesday, again, January 28th. He is MSU fan over at the forums. He's in college, of course, at Michigan State. So a uh, big 21 for Stephen, and we're going to go visit him next weekend. And gosh, he can legally get beer now. <laughs> anyway, happy birthday, Steve, if you're listening. And I just wanted to say... Uh, very proud of you, and, you know, study. Don't party too much. <laughs> anyway, I'm out of here. I will talk to everyone again soon, and uh, take care. Bye-bye for now. Here's the song, baby. <laughs> take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black. Take
tell them I'm not coming back. <laughs> Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. There's no place I can, can be since I found serenity. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dosti. Copyright 2009, all rights reserved. Treksinsci-Fi.com